welcome everybody to the premiere, our opening night, our night opening of Movie Premieres Unlimited, the podcast. Now, yes, I am the man behind the account Night Opening, at Night Opening on Twitter. You might be wondering, who is this man? Is that a sentient robot sent here and programmed from space to uh, dig up photos of John Lovitz and Val Kilmer? Not so much. I am a real person, uh, just a common man, and I am joined by some friends, some friends who are experts in the movie premiere game, because we're not only discussing movie premieres, we will be discussing the hoopla around the event, the fanfare, and of course the movie itself. And with me, I'm joined by a great friend, uh, a local historian, Andrew, my Mandrew, how are you on this lovely evening? Well, heck, it's so good to be here, and I couldn't be more honored to be here, guy who hasn't told anybody what his name is yet. And my name is Julio from <laughs> Night Opening. That's what my name is. <laughs> hey, there it is. Hey, Julio. You know what it is. I'm doing great. I'm feeling fantastic. I'm so excited to be here on the opening night. I feel like this is my red carpet event, and I'm America's Jason Alexander. You are America's Jason Alexander, as in you're everywhere and we can't get rid of you. Also joining me, Julio from Night Opening, the man behind it all. I am the man behind it, I should say. And the woman behind uh, Interior Fashion Expert. Is that the correct title? Her name is M. Strictly M. What did you Some call me a style expert. I just live the dream. One, one red carpet premiere at a time. Now, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, was a green carpet event, so... Uh, just for future references, be wary that the carpet can change sometimes. Uh, X-Men, X2, X-Men United, blue carpet for Mystique. So Ooh. the red carpet Ooh. sometimes can be, it can change. It can change, you know? As and a, if you're, yeah. As a style expert, some say I'm, I'm carpet blind in this Me Too era. <laughs> You are carpet blind. What a that's, what a progressive stance to take yeah, in this yeah. beautiful in this new era, this brave new world we're in in 2019. And I so, guess the the color of the carpet doesn't matter so much because the one thing is the stars are shining so brightly. You can indeed. barely see anything. When the stars are shining them. so bright, it doesn't matter what color the carpet is. And we have selected a film for our very first discussion. That film is Batman Forever. No, no, not a movie, not a motion picture. It's a film. It's a very smart film, uh, Batman Forever, starring Val Kilmer, Drew Barrymore, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, and a whole cast of others. But there's events surrounding the movie itself. That This movie took place in 1995, and we're going to analyze quickly just who was on the red carpet, where did their careers go, where were their careers before and after, and more importantly, what was happening in 1995? Do you guys remember what was taking place in 1995? Oh, I remember bits and pieces for sure. So Smash Mouth had yet to be discovered. That was my main takeaway from 1995. You know, that, that came a little bit after. But the Batman Forever soundtrack, for not having Smash Mouth, it was still pretty good. Wouldn't you say there was, uh, who else? There was Seal, uh... I mean, that song right there, that music video is associated with Batman Forever. Jesus Christ. I think this soundtrack had something for everyone. It had Mazzy Star. It had The Offspring. It had a song by Michael Hutchins from NXS that sounded like Iggy Pop, but was probably recorded with a belt around his neck. 
<laughs> oh lord are you claiming autoerotic asphyxiation well to be fair there? Iggy Pop recorded a lot of his songs with a belt around his upper arm so um... <laughs> ouch is that, are you speaking ill of the father of Nona from Pete and Pete no I, he is a very very open about the fact that he was on all of the heroin you could have ever done so I don't very I, brave of him no insult to Iggy Pop whatsoever no this soundtrack it was um I remember when it came out, and it was the first time I'd ever heard anything like, you know, stuff like Sunny Day Real Estate or like the Flaming Lips, like, you know, bands that went on to like really kind of like make a huge uh, mark on, you know, the music world in a lot of ways. And, you know, it was uh, like Sunny Day Real Estate, like kind of popularized like the second wave of emo or whatever. And then uh, Flaming Lips was a band for like a. People who go to Burning Man. So it was really <laughs> <laughs> that is true. How was there's one song on the soundtrack that really caught caught my interest. It's from Method Man and it's called The Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> What now? What goes into this? Like, what was that song? I don't ask you to recite any bars for us, Andrew. You don't have to do that. But no. What was this describing the Riddler? Like, better watch out for that Enigma Vision. I felt like it, so. Adam's Family Values came out a few years before this, <laughs> and it had uh, MC Hammer doing the you know the the Adam's Family song. You know, it was like they do what they want to do, go where they want to go, see what um, <laughs> play what they want to play. Yeah, the Adam's Family, um, and so I. I think there was kind of a phase where it was, you know, whatever soundtrack you had, you just had some like, you know, cool songs on it, but then you had to get a rapper make like a song specifically about a thing in your movie. And um, obviously, the Riddler <laughs> is like, there's a lot to say about uh, the character. There's a lot the to rap about in regards <laughs> well, to the Riddler. Well, the thing is that they're coming in hot from Judgment Night, which was the like iconic rap rock inter yes. juxtaposition album of the 90s. So, you know, like I think Method Man probably missed the boat on Judgment Night and said, Batman Forever is my shot. This is your shot here. This man. is it. He wasn't a singles act just yet. Not as like, you know, so solidified as one just yet, you know. He was spreading his wings. He was. He was. And this he thought this was a shot. This is going to be a big time movie, you know. Uh, Godzilla also had a big soundtrack as well. Uh, yes. Similar diversified as well. Jamiroquai and Diddy and Rage Against the Machine and Green Day. But this is up there as well. You got Offspring, I see. You know, like you just said, the Flaming Lips. But... The song most associated with this movie is Seals. He did the song in front of the bat signal. What a, what a, what a, what so, a, so romantic. What an honor. This movie will always be associated with Seal's Kiss from a Rose. You know, whether whether that was a mistake from Seal or not, you, you would have to ask him personally. I, I would say it's not a mistake because... That was just the sign of the times, I felt like. When you had a movie, okay, you got a movie coming out, great. You got to have a Happy Meal. You got to have a kid's toy. You got to have an MTV music video. You know, you got to have some merchandise. You got to have some cool shirts with the Rid with a dope logo on it. You know, this one had the Riddler, had the big, the leather jet had like a leather jacket with the big question mark Batman Forever logo on it. Super I mean, cool. there was a lot behind this movie. There was a big, you know, merchandising machine behind it. So it was just kind of an unstoppable force. Uh, I, really, I think we'll save our thoughts on how we feel about the movie later, perhaps. But the soundtrack in and of itself, like you get as many different, you know, 
variety of artists as you can find. Right? The soundtrack is like the great unifier of the world. It's got Seal, but then it's got a song by Brandy. Yeah. It's, and then it's got Nick Cave. You could put this album on in like the middle of Grand Central Station and there'd be that there'd be at least 15 people that would have to hold hands and gather around the speaker. <laughs> the Lord. I agree. And I um U2, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan in the world of U2, but... Um, you didn't like when they invaded your privacy and put their album on your phone? Well, I did like that, and... <laughs> <laughs> I condone that. Yeah, that was great. Everything else, meh. Um, but the song on uh, this album, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, that is just... It is a banger. Every song on the soundtrack just slaps so hard, and I can say slaps because I'm from Northern California. Um, yeah, true. It... Is is just undeniable. It's probably the greatest uh, movie soundtrack I I know of. And that's At some legit. point, we will rate the soundtracks that go with the films we're reviewing. But so so far, this is at number one by default. Yeah. And it will it remain number one? Who knows? But I it's think it's gonna Godzilla. be tough. It's gonna be tough. <laughs> it's gonna be tough because Godzilla 1998 exists. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That will be at the top of mind. Because Diddy made, like, a movie out of that one. That, yeah, go. Hate Me Now yeah. is also, like... I feel like that's inspired more people to, like, you know, crush it in a job interview or... <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> tolerate Led Zeppelin, sure. <laughs> I mean, Hate Me Now was my first introduction to that Led Zeppelin song. I'm not, you know yeah. what? Hey, I guess these guys aren't so bad either. Diddy will associate with a bunch of old fossils. Like, maybe they're not so bad, you know? So, what do we have in this premiere? So far... If you look at the photos, as, as many of you have, as many of my adoring followers have, you will see there's everybody from Hollywood migrated to this premiere. You know, they took the, they, they came from home, they, they marked a day on the calendar, and they just migrated to it. You know, flocks of celebrities. I don't know how they travel, but they just went to this premiere in their finest attires. And I want to discuss a little bit of the red carpet. Uh, the fanfare behind this. Normally, there's a step and repeat, like a poster that celebrities have to stand in front of. And at times, if it's an embarrassing movie, like a, uh, a Leatherheads with George Clooney, that could be kind of embarrassing to stand next to a poster of a bunch of men in football attire. And, you know, they don't want to stand in front of the step and repeat. They'll let the others stand in front of it. But Batman Forever, it was, I think, the Chinese, the uh, man's theater. Uh, there wasn't as much branding behind this one, so it wasn't as gauche. But you still had a lot of stars attend. This was a big deal. This event had many, many, many stars, including, I mean, let's just work our way down eventually. So we have George Clooney, who would eventually become the Batman after Val Kilmer. How do you think that conversation went of, like, Val Kilmer trying to pass the torch to him? Yeah, I think it was kind of a situation like that where he said, you know, he said, I, you know, I started this empire, but you're the one who can, you know, the keys are in your hands now, son. The keys are in your hands now. Hey, yeah. toot the Batmobile well, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Val Kilmer and uh, uh, George Clooney have always had a very Bernie Beto relationship where one oh, considers like the a other man a father. <laughs> yeah, That's so. true. So is Val the Bernie to his Beto? Yeah. Ah, what a beautiful sentiment, you know? Mm-hmm. And by two beautiful men, by the way. Yeah, uh, gorgeous men. George Clooney and Val. Two hunks. I mean, Val is the MVP so far of uh, opening nights, I have to say. <laughs> like, he is in every big premiere. You see him in so many different attires. What's been your favorite attire? You are the fashion expert here, Em, of Val Kilmer's. It doesn't have to be Batman Forever. Really. He did look great here, though. 
Uh, if my memory serves me correctly from my style notes, I think the Clumps was a premiere he <laughs> he broke out to after completing a fresh batch of laundry. I'd say that's my favorite. Uh, you're, you're thinking uh, the Muppets uh, go to space. Uh, you're right. It is Hawaiian the Muppets go to space. Green, uh, light greenish cargo pants and sandals and shades. Oh. Yeah, well, that's that's one thing that was really big in this era. Like, ninety percent of people at this premiere were wearing shades. It, future's bright, though. Future's bright. I get it. Not as bright for Val, unfortunately, because after this movie, he he had a few roles. He had the Saint. He had uh, MacGruber in two thousand. What six was it? Uh, Val hasn't hadn't been seen a lot, but was, Val, yeah. you do have an open invitation on this show to come on whenever <laughs> you want. I am a fan of you. Uh, Many have insinuated this account is just a way to launch a Val Kilmer resurgence. Uh, I wouldn't go as that wouldn't go that far necessarily. But if you're saying there's uh, some repressed feelings of attraction for for Val, I would say you're wrong there as well because I'm out in the open about my uh, feelings towards Val. That's a premier hunk. That's a gorgeous <laughs> man. Uh, he was in a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was a uh, pretty decent Shane Black. Oh yeah, that was a too. good one. That's a good yeah. one. I have to look that up. I didn't know of that. That's there. You got your next premiere, people. It's an inside scoop from Andrew. That's uh, <laughs> if it has Val Kilmer, I'm gonna post it. So Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. What year was it? Oh, I don't know. Who knows? 2001 or so. It was. Oh, okay. I was close. That was um, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, comeback trail. Yeah, movies. it was not a- Iron Man. No, <laughs> no, because the, I mean that was when he was starting to prove that he could like be in movies again, and he wouldn't, you know, run away and maybe end up with like a dead lady around or something. <laughs> what so. happened? To, why, why was Robert Downey Jr. Uh, ousted? Uh, M, do you uh, cocaine? Do you yeah, <laughs> pretty sure it's cocaine. That, that reason? That of all reasons? I know it's 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 kind of anomalous in Hollywood, really. That's kind of discriminatory. I feel like. Well, he, had, he had this really fun night where where he did cocaine and was out with Anne Hatch and like woke up in a, ch- a child's bedroom. And nope, I, that. that's when Hollywood said, you know what? Uh, time out, man. It's a little time to take a break, bro. Well, it's, speaking of. Yeah, it's weird to think that a uh, like very handsome, talented, rich young man in the 80s would get into trouble like that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. right? It's, it's wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. Um, when I look at the images from this premiere, though, the most wholesome duo of the bunch is definitely a funky, fresh Anthony Edwards, kind of like in between Revenge of the Nerds, <laughs> on his way to ER, hanging out with George Clooney. Yeah, it's definitely they, after Revenge of the Nerds. He's he he left Revenge yeah. of the Nerds after uh, Nerds in Paradise. Uh, that was uh, Roman numeral number two. Uh, he was done with it after that. Like he felt like this is beneath him. Uh, I understand now people re- revisit the Re- Revenge of the Nerds films. And they see uh, the Me Too side of things. It, it is kind of creepy in many regards, the behavior. Super the creepy. We don't condone that here, folks. We do not condone that. Well, for, for our viewers that are now our listeners. Our listeners. Yeah, viewer to listener. What's what's so exciting is Anthony Edwards is definitely dressed like, like Clooney's designated driver. <laughs> he's, he's, he's wearing a pair of white pants, white shirt which is like pre-Ricky Martin, maybe in Ricky Martin inspo, leather jacket, and then like a Samuel L. Jackson sanctioned beret. And he's just said, he said, you know what, Clooney, your Uber is here. <laughs> it's no Kangol logo, unfortunately. No, he, you know, he didn't have those Kangol bucks yet. No, for Anthony Edwards. Well, he was an aspiring doctor. He wasn't quite a on-screen doctor just yet, but 
you know, kudos to Anthony Edwards being, you know, r- you know, a little bit savvy on the fashion front. And the okay, I see him now. A little bit of a leather jacket. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, nice but he's like little... trying to prove like he's got an edge that you do, you know, he does not have. Like there yeah. is no edge in that man. So this is the edgiest thing he's ever done. Is wear a, le- <laughs> a leather jacket at a Batman Forever premiere. Well, you know, Gilbert, I'm not such a nerd anymore. I, I happen to have purchased a leather jacket from a. A store called Structure at the shopping mall recently, <laughs> Gilbert. Maybe I won't be hanging around you and Lamar anymore. <laughs> uh, I, another thing that Clooney's doing in this in this premiere, and again, like the the viewer now listener, that he's doing a really classic deep deep white t shirt under a suit. It's it's like it's iconic. It's almost like a Richard Greco look. Like he's like borderline. Like is he related to Greco? Unsure. He's doing a Greco vibe. Yeah. Nice. Major Greco vibes here. It Not is bad. a really a good look, actually. This yeah. was thinking about Prime Clooney. Yeah, I'm considering it. This was Prime Clooney with the uh, the real Caesar cut going, and <laughs> yeah, he just like I mean, you could see that this man was going to be a UN ambassador one day. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, he does look great here. He does look great. He does. He does look a little bit out of it. Do you think when he came out of this movie, he's like, oh fuck, I'm inheriting this? <laughs> like, because if Batman movie came right after with Chris well, O'Donnell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, the only thing, I mean, he would just be like, these are big shoes to fill. <laughs> That's for, right, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so he might have been intimidated. Like, oh man, I, I just want to say briefly that now. Anthony Edwards looks like one of the uh, the people that uh, James McAvoy plays in Switch, kind of like, <laughs> like the little boy one. You would be <laughs> the little boy. I if I feel like Anthony Edwards got a call from Clooney and it went something like this: Hey, do you want to go to the Batman Forever premiere, Anthony? Yeah, sure. Is it, what's the rating? <laughs> is, that, uh, is it in P- the Criterion Collection? P- PG thirteen. Okay, I'm good. Uh, I'm I'll, good. Dre- I'll dress thirteen. I can, <laughs> dress, I can dress thirteen. I have a bit of an edge, George. You know, I own a beret, and uh, yeah, he gets it, hung up. Like painter's pants or something. <laughs> it's oh a really good God. look. I, 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 is it? Yeah. I uh, feel like it's a nerd in mm. denial look. I feel like it's a nerd and like Clooney's naturally a cool as hell dude, but then you have Anthony Edwards is like I could be cool too. Like, oh, well, but see the thing is, Clooney is the look. Like Clooney would look True. cool wearing any old damn thing. He'd look, He'd cool, look cool in, in bum equipment. Yeah. Well, anybody, come on. Anybody looks cool in bum equipment. But um, <laughs> is that the next comeback to make it? Is that the yeah. champion? Is bum equipment? Anthony Edwards knew that if he was appearing with, uh, you know, his fellow doctor, he had to go for a hard look himself, and he went for it. And I applaud that. The the other edgiest couple at this premiere was hands down Drew Barrymore and Eric from Hole. I'm not going to yeah. look up his name. I refuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eric Erland or something like Erlandson. that. Erlandson. Erlandson. Yeah. Jesus. Um, okay, no, no. She was definitely <laughs> out there in wild child stages of uh, flashing uh, David Letterman. Yep, same uh, Why didn't she flash uh, Leno, I feel like? I feel like she owes Jay an apology. I don't think uh, Leno was hurting for lack of getting flashed. You know, she <laughs> probably understood that. So much denim. Why did, yeah. did, Joan, did Joan Rivers give him a, give him a special treat? <laughs> Anywhere he went in his like 1937 Nash Rambler clad in head-to-toe denim, like you know, it was whip him out Wednesdays, even if it was a Sunday. <laughs> whip him out Wednesdays. 
Hashtag whip them out Wednesdays, uh, night opening listeners. Please use that however you like, and we will browse through all your lovely photos. Yeah. So this was that era of Drew Barrymore. Again, as your style expert, I'll, I'll chime in yes. here on the looks. Uh, this is when she was doing that, like, daisy in the hair thing. And, you know, it was, yeah, she pretty much looked the same at every premiere for about two years. There is, it's like a super standard look. It's a nighty, it's a questionable bra or lack thereof, and then a daisy in the hair. Now, see, see, I have to stop you here because we're criticizing for having her bra. And if she didn't have a bra, she'd be criticized. She can't win here. No, I say, you know, either way, you're killing it. The, I'm with you. No, yeah, I say brava as well. Yeah. The only troublesome thing happening here is we got that classic, you know, 90s uh, premiere trope where he's like fake her Eric from Hole is fake choking her. And is he saying like, why am I not on this incredible soundtrack? I don't know. <laughs> There's many classic poses in the red carpet and it's it has to be annoying when you go through so many of them. Uh, there's like the choking your spouse, that why I oughta. Uh, there's like a clenched fist, you know, that Chris Kattan might do. And like, see, Chris Kattan has a lot of poses. I mean, we'll talk about that down the road. That's a man of many expressions. Hell of a talent, really. Yeah. Front of the show, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but there's a lot of traditional poses, and you just be like, thumbs up. Like, Jason Alexander's, again, he is, he's high up in the power rankings because of it because he embraces the awkwardness and be like what do you want me to do what do you want me to do i'm here i'm in front of your stupid poster i just want to watch a free movie you know that's that's my take on on like the poses yeah there's just so many classic poses absolutely you gotta pay the price to see the movie <laughs> one way or another you're paying to see this yeah. that's really what it comes down to uh, Elizabeth Berkley from Saved by the Bell, Jesse Spana was there a little bit before Showgirls came out. Uh, I feel like this is like an obligation, like in her she head. She was on the like, come up. She thought she was, and she was not. I'm not. I mean, God bless her. She she thought like, oh, Tom's gonna be there. She thought she was on a first name basis. You know, Tom's gonna be there. Nick, uh, Nicole, not even Nicole. Nick, Nick Kidman gonna be there. Uh, William uh, from The Fresh Prince might be there, you know. Just a lot of my peers are going to be there, Mark Paul. Don't worry about it. I would invite you. It's just, Mark Paul, you would drag down my stock, and I don't want people to affiliate me with the uh, children's program. I'm sorry, Mark Paul. I just We just can't have you. Or Tiffany. I'm sorry. I feel she, like she's very apologetic to her. She's dressed friends. like... She's dressed kind of like she went shopping with Anthony Edwards. It's very like, <laughs> it's very like I paid full price at the Gap. <laughs> and it's interesting. She's looking really serious. She's already got her blonde showgirl's hair. And she's looking like she just, like she just had lunch with James Lipton from the actor's studio, you know? <laughs> like she, she came here from the Ivy. She's, she's here for the premiere. She's she been was, studying. She was ready like for this to be like the common occurrence of her career after Showgirls. And so now that we're reflecting a little bit, like, now, she wasn't in Batman forever, though she would have fit right in in that Drew Barrymore role as, like, the fake angel or maybe the devil kind of thing. That was, like, I guess having sex with Tommy Lee Jones' old ass, which is kind of creepy. Hot. But, uh, like, Hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tommy Lee so, Jones was looking good in this movie, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, he had, like, the makeup on, but in the, his premiere photos, he's, a, he's in his prime for sure. I feel like Tommy Lee Jones, when he did his Entertainment Tonight interview – we're going to post all these links, don't worry. Uh, when he was doing his Entertainment Tonight interview, he was like, I'm doing this for my son, 
And uh, it's about bringing out the inner kid in you. Like, he kind of felt like this movie was going to suck, maybe. And he was just like, listen, I only do this for my son. I'm a serious actor most of the time, you know. He was kind of trying to, like, make up for, like, you know, cover lost ground just in case the movie flopped, perhaps. Okay, well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about his performance when we get to the, the movie itself. Okay, yeah, but... yeah, yeah, when we get to actually covering the movie itself. But he did look great at the, in the red carpet, you know. He, I, I'll he was class, he's class, he, he looks he, he looks a little annoyed, but very elegant. I'll say that. <laughs> yes, he, he brought exactly. his baby boy with him. He brought mm-hmm. his baby boy, so that, that counts for something. You're taking your kid to see the movie. It'd be really shitty as a dad, like... Can I see Batman Forever? No. Yeah. It's an adult's night. Like, no. I'm not proud of my performance. <laughs> Wait it's 15 years when I make a depressing movie about cowboy murder. <laughs> I, the only other kid at this premiere that seems to be a similar age is Ray J, Brandy's brother. I'm really hoping they became sure. they became friends after this premiere. Fingers- <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones and his son and Ray J. Yeah, well, Austin Jones and, and Ray J. I'm really hoping they're like tight bros. Speak- I hope so too. Speaking of Ray J, uh, uh, Chris Jenner was at this premiere. Was she That's not true. pregnant? Uh-huh. No less. With Kendall, a self-made billionaire. Kendall Jenner, who we're all so proud of. We are th- proud of her. I think Kylie's the, the billionaire. And what does Kendall do then? Kendall's the model. Oh, Also important. Also, also very impo- important. Also important. I bet she's yeah. also self-made however much money she has. So I agree with that completely. I mean, if you had to ask me who the biggest star was, I would say it's Kendall Jenner in utero. That's yeah. true. Well, that, You know, how could she be self-made if she got to witness such fine entertainment from the womb? Yeah, I don't mean to be controversial at this hour. Do you think that in the womb she heard seals a kiss from the rose? Both. God, at the premiere, how incredible must that have been? What if, what if all of the Kardashians had heard it in the womb, and it was a song that had been in existence for like you know centuries, but uh, Seal never revealed it until he made all of the Kardashian children so powerful, and then he said, oh, wow. "Now the world can have it." Um, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good theory. Also, they may have used uh, Edward Nigma's Nigma Vision, which we'll cover later on when we yeah. speak of the movie. So, who else was there at this lovely premiere? Well, you know, well, all I've, the stars I've out. got another conspiracy theory. If we're shooting them out here, okay, sure. lay it on us. Uh, Will Smith, who came in a peach-colored Steve Harvey suit that is down to uh, about his knees, uh, he was there. Do we think that Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones huddled in a corner and said? Look, this Batman stuff, it's child's play. Men in black. Yeah. <laughs> wait till they wait till they see what we're coming out. We're gonna blow wait. the yeah. fucking lids off. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that like they got the line, you know, the difference between you and me is I make this look good from this premiere? Like just <laughs> 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 Did Will Smith told him that at the Will premiere. Will Smith like, told him that and Tommy Lee Jones was just like he stood there stone faced for a minute and then he like cracked like half a smile and was like, I like you kid, let's do business and then he just walked away. Well, he was very good at cracking half a smile based on his performance. So <laughs> yeah. the likelihood is very high. Ah, the man who played Two Face cracking yeah. lovely. Home run there, Em. Home run. Yeah. Well done. Uh, you know, I'm not a comedian. I'm just a style expert, but I try. Yeah, no, and you succeeded. Uh, I want to talk about one issue surrounding this event here, and that issue is beef. Beef. Uh, Who's got the how... beef? I mean, there was a little bit of beef residing between uh, 
Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey, apparently. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, they did da, not da, get along very da, well. Da, you know Jim da, Carrey. Da. Sorry, I can't help <laughs> yes. myself. Jim Carrey, you know, when he takes on these roles, he's from the school of Andy Kaufman a little bit. He likes to take it on and embrace these characters and embrace them off on and off the set of, of The Riddler. So I imagine he was annoying the shit out of Tommy Lee Jones, don't you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey is like a notorious, what, I guess like prankster or something, or he's just really hyper all the time, uh, I guess. Uh, you think it annoyed the castmates, perhaps? I think he did. I think um, I think people have varying levels of tolerance. I could see Val Kilmer putting up with a lot of nonsense and just, you know, getting into it because he had that tweet after Lou Reed died where he said something like, I went to a dinner party with Val Kilmer and I kept or with Lou Reed and I kept doing something I don't remember what it was but it was something kind of obnoxious and it was just, Jim Carrey said this? no uh, Val Kilmer said this oh okay <laughs> I gotta follow it, Val he did, he did something to bother Lou Reed at a dinner party and then it just ended with like he was mad but deep down I think he liked it so I, <laughs> I could see Val Kilmer I'm gonna look that up right now um, yeah but please I, look it up but... I could see Val Kilmer um, enjoying uh, somebody just like kind of pushing him out of his own comfort level but i definitely I don't think tommy lee jones is the kind of guy to um necessarily love uh nonsense you know he... no 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 and in fact uh there was a famous uh, interview with howard stern where uh jim carrey elaborates in the situation here he says i guess this is at a dinner of sorts the blood drained from his face in such a way that i realized that i had become the face of his pain or, or something and he got up, kind of shaking, hugged me, and said, I hate you. I really don't like you. And I was like, wow, okay, what's going on, man? And he said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. So this is with a close grasp around Jim Carrey. And Tommy Lee Jones is saying, I cannot sanction your can, buffoonery. Can you blame him? He, I've, After watching the film, all I could think about was like how much Ace Ventura he was doing in the role. He was doing quite a bit of Ace Ventura. He was doing like a 50% Ace Ventura. I'd be, Joel I'd be annoyed as shit too. This is what Joel Schumacher was asking for. Yeah. Before, I would like to talk about that, but briefly I just want to say the Val Kilmer Lou Reed tweets, of which there were two. The first was, <laughs> I once tickled Lou Reed. I regretted it for the longest while as he spoke to me few times after that dinner, but I'm glad now. He needed it. And then his <laughs> other one is, once I tickled hashtag Lou Reed at a dinner I threw for him, he leaned in and said, I know martial arts. <laughs> so talent. <laughs> and, and then, out of quote, this is Val Kilmer again, uh, so talented, but so tortured by his dad. And then a picture of Val Kilmer. Also, Val Kilmer. Wait, wait, Val Kilmer tweeted this and tweeted a photo of himself? <laughs> No, no, that's a picture like, of Lou Reed. Here's an 8 by 10 Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Here's an 8 by 10 of me. Also, Val Kilmer's uh, Twitter header is basically the Louis Vuitton logo, but with an A thrown in, so it spells Val. <laughs> that is a clutch look, Val. That is a clutch look. Val Kilmer, Louis Vuitton friend logo of the show. Val, if sure. you're listening to this, I just want to say you have an open invitation. I am not only a fan but uh, an admirer, your physique, your your style, your hair, sunglasses, uh, just overall. I mean, 
Not in a creepy way, Val. Not in a creepy way, man. I just mean like, let's hang out sometime and wrestle or whatever and see where it leads. You know, who cares? Have a beer. Who cares? You know, just hang out. You know? Guys, guy talk. Gu- guys being guys. Guys being guys. Locker Val, room don't talk. be so weird about it. You know, you want to tickle me? I'm not going to complain about it, you know? It's just, just an open invitation. I just want to set that aside. It's a little bit of a sidebar for now. But, yes, back to Tommy Lee Jones. My first introduction to Tommy Lee Jones, I was much younger than you guys. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for reminding us. Thanks. I don't know about Strange much. flex. <laughs> much, much younger than you two fossils. But I understood. Like, okay, Tommy Lee Jones is 95. Tommy Lee had the sex tape with Pam Anderson. And for the longest time, I thought – I kept hearing about the Pam Anderson sex tape, and I thought, oh, this old guy had sex with Pamela Anderson. This is the guy, Tommy Lee, who had sex with Pam Anderson. So for, like, maybe a good two years, I thought, like, oh, okay, well, this guy, you know, as much as I could bash him or whatever or didn't like Batman forever, uh, he had sex with Pam. So I, I give him credit for the longest time that maybe it was uh, unwarranted. I feel I should take a, Here I am now. Many years later, taking back that credit I gave uh, Tommy Lee Jones as a as a child, so important information. To add I here. really appreciate your honesty and how vulnerable you were in sharing <laughs> that with us. I, as a style expert, I respect that. But you know, it's very big of me to do this and admit my faults. I feel like you're one of the biggest men I know. Um, <laughs> would would you say that um, though that now that you're uh, you know with the benefit of adulthood and the wisdom that you know age brings, you appreciate Tommy Lee Jones a little bit more than you used to, or do you still regard him as a just not a guy who filmed himself? Fucking Pam Anderson. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe he didn't have sex with Pam Anderson. Maybe he did. But you know what? As uh, you know, a performer in the arts, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I still respect him. You know, he still w- rolled with Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this. Is that not a popular song? As a Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Oh, regardless, he was still a Men in Black, and I love Men in Black. So, I'm not gonna hate on Tommy Lee Jones. Well done. Even if that wasn't your dick, dude. Well done, you know? If you guys out there are Tommy Lee Jones heads and you want to see him playing another ridiculous character, I suggest you check out The Mechanic 2, starring Jason Statham, with Tommy Lee Jones as a uh, kind of ex-hippie arms dealer with a soul patch. Now, didn't he also babysit some cheerleaders in the film? Oh, Probably. You didn't hear about this? No. That Adam, sounds like a, about this? That's, that sounds like a porn, but tell me <laughs> Oh, wait, that was Tommy Lee. I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tommy Lee Jones did. It was, it was on USA. You guys don't watch? You guys don't got USA Network on the TV? I mean, mean, characters are always welcome, but I haven't <laughs> seen that one. That's was not it on all night with a Ronda. Oh, fear. wow. We're really it... all night. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Listen, we're all big Monk fans here, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's not. Uh, it's That wasn't it. So, no. My, my other my other podcast is a psych fan podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, it was tune in, guys. <laughs> tune in for psych, psych out heads every here. Wednesday on Earwolf. <laughs> I do have a cousin who probably liked psych, so I don't want to talk about it too much. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, the movie was called Man of the House. Uh, God, I'm not going to elaborate anymore, but he... Yeah, he had a bunch of uh, uh, cheerleaders, including uh, Christina Milan, in there. So maybe before not, maybe before this should... podcast gets me too, I'd I'd like to I, I'd like to talk about Steven Seagal, who's kind of the unsung hero of this premiere. 
He was oh, looking so sick. Real good with that stag, that like golden stag on the black silk shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a bomber jacket with these two like, like a moose and a deer. A, a snake and a, a <laughs> snake and a deer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he definitely has I I would suspect he has some level of rivalry with Tommy Lee Jones that he's probably working through at this premiere. <laughs> you think it's like old man like hatred kind of thing, just like beef, old man were, beef? Were they yeah. in like old or under siege 2 or something together? I you're asking the wrong man here. Cuz they I both like, like kind of had action-ish uh peaks. True. Well, we, true, we should true. we can ask the listeners, guys, if you're big Steven Seagal fans, has he worked with Tommy Lee Jones? At us. I'm yeah. more of a Katie Seagal kind of guy. Not gonna lie. Yeah, pres- I, yeah, visibly visibly not present here and missed. Yeah, that's true. Her hair. I mean, she would have been great. She. I mean, if uh, Elizabeth Berkeley can go to this premiere, I mean, Katie Seagal should have been in a lot more premieres, especially Peg Bundy era. Come on. S- someone who subbed in for her quite nicely, though, with a really tall hairdo was Nicole Kidman, who, or as I know her, Nick. <laughs> yeah, and she was towering over Tom Cruise or date, you know. Uh, you know, do women ever think, how does it feel as a man to tower over us? You know, not, you know, it works both ways, you know. But no, I'm joshing around. Tommy Lee Jones was the lead villain in Under Siege 1, by the way. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that, Andrew. (laughs) Thank you for fact-checking live. And Steven Seagal was in that, right? The truth matters. Yeah, that was like... (laughs) (laughs) That's a headline in the poster? (laughs) No, that's our our credo for this. We're like... uh, (laughs) That would have been dope for an old movie poster? Or our credo. At least we have one. The truth matters. Nice. I'll put that in Ariel Bold yeah. for, our pro- for our promo photos. I remembered Gary Busey as being the main villain in uh, Under Siege, but he was only the secondary villain. Well, at least he's got really a great de- bloodline. It really depends on who you ask. Yeah, it's, it's true. <laughs> I see both sides of the story when I watch There's a film, There's very actually. fine people on both sides of Under Siege. <laughs> Look, uh, Two-Face was a great man. Yeah. At least half of him was. you got to pay attention to both sides. The, the tale of Two-Face is one of the most tragic tales in all <laughs> fiction, I think. Of That's a, true. A once noble uh, district attorney just seeking to put uh, people in jail, usually for nonviolent offenses, uh, yes, who gets yes. harmed by one of the people who's mad at him. And he wears a, a half of a, a leisure suit and half of a regular yeah, suit yeah, for he's, some reason. So. He's, well, because he's dual. He's like, you know, half good and half bad because half of his the face is The duality of man. Yeah. You know, a it, serious it, film. It, it, it's That's deep. Because um, mm-hmm. that brings – actually, there's this, uh, there are these clowns on, a, on a Twitter that follow you this, from this podcast, uh, Pillow Talk with Franklin and Uncle Howard. Uh, I've heard I, them. They're good. I, yeah, they're decent. Check them out, I guess, decent, if you want. Decent enough. Yeah, they're fine. Um, but anyway, the, the, these guys, I guess they're like obsessed with twins or something. And um, Ooh, twins are creepy unless it's Danny DeVito yeah. and Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Two right. Danny DeVitos, <laughs> blink, blink. <laughs> um, so they they said that um, um, they thought it was very strange that basically Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar are playing sort of twins in a way, and that one is the evil twin and one is the good twin. But uh, Drew Barrymore's all over the red carpet, and Debbie Mazar's nowhere to be seen. You I know, know. She's got one picture where she is rocking some serious Katie Seagal hair, actually. Nice. Okay. She, uh, friend of the podcast, Katie friend Seagal. Friend of the show, Katie oh. Seagal. <laughs> yes, true. 
We're we're, cult, we're we're cultivating a lot of friends here. Uh, I just like to say for their uh, pillow talk with Franklin Uncle Howard. It's a very it's a very horny question to ask. I, I don't condone their buffoonery, but I will accept it because this is the horniest Batman movie ever made. Very horny. Yeah. This is horny from the three minute mark with like Nicole Kidman. I'm Doctor Chase Meridian. When are we gonna plow? Like essentially asking the Batman. Fresh off of solving a crime or fresh off of, like, avoiding acid from a helicopter. It's like, that man went through some serious trauma right now. And for you, she's kind of the predator in this movie, if I have to say. Do you think she had to sit Tom down or or maybe just kneel down in front of him? <laughs> yeah. and in his high chair. It is a very chair. horny movie, Tom. And say, yeah, this is a horny movie, my, my sweetheart. And I'm going to take you to the premiere, but... You know, you're going to see things you don't like here. Just, just remember, it's all make-pretend. Well, as long as Val's shirtless, I guess he'll be fine. Uh, speaking of horny Sorry. premieres, uh, it was a horny a horny set of guests, too. We had a, a Matt Lauer cre- creeping around. We had oh, a, no. Kevin Spacey. We had Kevin Spacey. And We've, khaki-ish clothing. I mean, a, a khaki, horny Kevin Spacey. Too we horny. even had a very horny Art Garfunkel, which I'm not clear on how horny he was until I saw him smooching, who I think is Kim Basinger, but again, not clear. Art Steven Garfunkel's um, beanie, I'm sorry, Julio, uh, but no, I'm going to talk about his beanie briefly, which I know he just always wears, but it's genuinely <laughs> shocking to me every single time I see him. Oh, this shocks you, huh? It does <laughs> shock me. Shocked. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't get a load of his beanie, but I'll, I'm sure I'll post it later or whatever. Okay, I see him there. Yeah, give him a little kiss. Yeah, he's not looking. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, the people there's... were horned up. The film was horned up. You know, it was, it was the a 90s. reflection of the times. Yeah. It was, look, it was the 90s. We were just horny back then, you know? That we're not horny anymore, people. Left Eye Lopez it. was, uh, you know, wearing a condom over her, her eye and stuff. <laughs> you don't see anybody accessorizing with condoms anymore because horniness has just decreased. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, we're, we live in less horny times now. <laughs> At least openly horny. Uh, uh, I mean, Ronnie Dangerfield. Thanks, Tinder. Yeah. Okay, thanks. So, so Rodney Dangerfield was also there. He's not as horny, but David Duchovny yeah, was there. That's I mean, a horny he, man. I think that's a horny man. He makes a show about being a horny man. Uh, it's just he's you know he's not a he's not a Me Too guy, right? He's fine. He's just like a sex addict, right? Was yeah, that, was like his whole thing. Yeah, okay, no, so he that's, that's he's fine. fine. But this this premiere really was the uh, who's who of Me Too's because you have got a. <laughs> You got Kevin Spacey out there. You got Matt Lauer all over the place. Lord. Um, who, uh, who else? Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, I think, has been accused of bad things about that. Yeah. yeah. You got a Don Johnson who is deaf, has a horny vibe. Oh, and Kenny sure. G, my prediction for the next band to be canceled. That's right. Kenny G, he's probably not. He's fine. I'm sure he's a lovely man. But he was there with Sugar Ray Leonard for some bizarre reason, and it's just it's always puzzled me. You know, they were just going, you know, guys not out. Hey, guy, hey, let's run a limo, Kenny. Sure. Let me see how much money I have in my wallet. Like, guys, 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 we're forgetting the horniest of them all. The kind of the grandfather of horniness was there. Who's Rodney- the grandfather? Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. He invented horniness. He taught us how to be horny. He did. He was there teaching everyone how to horn up. You got to kind of get on your tie and bug your eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't get no respect, but uh, I do get pretty horny sometimes. (laughs) 
<laughs> Rest in peace. He's a classy show. If show. you if you look at the pictures of Rodney, and this one's for our viewers now, listeners, he I think he's wearing socks on the red carpet. They don't look like shoes. They might be, but he's also wearing like a pair of satin pants that say to me like the, the his escort or his his lady friend. Oh, his wife Joan. Excuse me. Oh, wow. <laughs> whoops. Uh, seems like she just said like, honey, honey, put on this shirt. You don't. You can wear your socks. Let's go to the premiere. It's bat, another Batman movie. I love Batman. I can't wait to go. He gets respect. Okay. Hey, uh, let's let's bat. take the let's take the Batmobile there. Oh, no. Okay. Was he I out of? Yeah. I mean, maybe if it was like ninety-year-old Rodney Dangerfield, he'd be like that. But he's still pretty cog. Rodney Dangerfield time, right? was apparently like the first celebrity stoner. Really, was yeah, he? Yeah, he was always smoking lids of tea all day and all night or nice. whatever they called that back right. then. Yeah. Good for you, Rodney. We Friend of the that. show. Friend of the show, Rodney Dangerfield. We will Ro- we will visit your site sometime. You know who your was looking... Your grave premiere. Yeah. Your tombstone <laughs> opening. We will have a seance for Rodney Dangerfield. I guess you got to do a Ladybugs premiere. Hope, oh, fingers oh. crossed. Really hoping Val's there. Holy There's shit. So... <laughs> That's probably the best uh, like VHS cover of all time. The ladybugs. ladybugs? Yeah, with him getting the ball kicked right into his groin, and he's like, <laughs> I think back to school has him on, the, high, on the, the diving board, but yeah, that kicked in the balls. That's, that's something. So... We've talked a lot about this film. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, the hoopla. Uh, there was McDonald's ads at the time uh, advertising some uh, collectible glasses that I highly recommend you check out on eBay. Um, they made it their own burger the... for it. They had their own burger. What was the burger like? Um, it was on a hero bun. What's a hero bun? Like a, a hero sandwich? sandwich, yeah. Okay. It was, it was okay. like an elongated is that, is that, burger. Is that a regional term for bread? Um, yeah, it was well, like basic bread to me. Well, it's like, so, you know, like the elongated sandwich, whatever you want to call it. I got I just you. think yeah, they're sandwiches, but, you know, people call them, they're like, hey, it's a hero, it's a sub, it's a grinder. Hey, no, no, no. I'm a no, I understand. Wait, Long Island that, guy. Wait, is Rodney Dangerfield friend of the podcast on air now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, Very deceptive. We, I have, a, we have a guest him. joining us from us from beyond the grave. <laughs> So can I read the description before you dive into the desc- uh, of the sandwich itself? Yeah, please. Okay, so what I have here is, along with Robin, the Riddler, and Two-Face, all captured on the Gotham City glassware collection, chiseled out of molten glass, each one is available for a small piece of any extra value meal, and only one... Okay, so you see, this is really hard for me to read. A superhero-sized meat, a dynamically delicious burger... With all three, with all three beef patties, there's three beef patties with this. Okay, God, the taste so of American good. and Monterey cheese stacked on a superhero bun. So you're right, Andrew. Yeah, it is a hero bun, teamed with supersized fries and a large soft drink. This is the most heroic. This is a meal of heroic proportions. Wow. It. it, it to me is like the quintessential McDonald's thing I've ever heard of in my life. I hadn't heard of it, it before. Is. And I, I'm not a McDonald's fan, that's for damn sure. I uh, I don't know when the last time I ever ate McDonald's was, but um, like this makes me want to change my ways and eat some McDonald's. <laughs> I, I, it, what's very strange is I'm now looking at the McDonald's.fandom.com uh, page, which is basically like a you know Wikipedia for you know freaks. 
And <laughs> the entry on the superhero burger is uh, three sentences long, which seems so unfair for like such an wow. epic meal. Like this wow. is. I want to know everything about it. I want to know about like you know the like marketing team who got together and came up with this burger. Like I know I want to be a more. to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, God, what salad days, right, guys? Well, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, before we elaborate any more on the uh, on the film itself, I just want to say I saw Stephen Baldwin there. Uh, how would you say he looked then? Um, as your resident style expert, what I'll say is. Stephen Baldwin was there with a bandana, a, like a, a like a ta- custom tailored bandana, a set of sunglasses, and it looked so badass. He looked like the human embodiment of a no fear T-shirt. <laughs> he, he looked like an angry Rottweiler saying, "You wanna cross me? Think again." He he looked like a pair of real real angry eyes popping out of the, <laughs> out of the words "no fear." <laughs> No fear um, had the angry eyes. It had an energy drink, but it also had the Rottweiler was very synonymous with no fear. Right? He also looked like a guy that went to McDonald's and said, "Do you have all four of the commemorative glass bags?" <laughs> and he drove in there after the premiere and said, "I was just at the premiere. I need these." No, no, no. I already have a two face. I want the Chris O'Donnell Robin glass. That is the last one I need for my collection. Why do you not have this available in this in this store? You'd be very upset. It's. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, M. All good. Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny we bring up uh, Chris O'Donnell because I was just looking at him, and he looks like he's like uh, kind of like a kid who like is from a rough background but has his first like job interview ever at a grown-up <laughs> job. <laughs> but, you know, I thought he looked good for the most he looks, part. No, he suit. does look good. He looks great. But, I mean, he does. He just looks like a little boy who is like he's excited. big boy he world. Lo- he looks like a guy who just like – graduated from being like a manager at a mcdonald's to like a district manager like <laughs> yeah I, yeah you get an extra five dollars a week yeah. yeah he's like i'm managing three of the top grossing mcdonald's in orange county right now yeah i don't know he's a quintessential hunk and he still looks good today you are our resident uh andrew you are resident uh ncis la expert oh that's true you are a big fan of the older lady from the yeah. show she mm-hmm. looks, like looks good kill the frau farbissima type <laughs> Oh, love her. She is great. She is great. I wish she was in this premiere, but she wasn't, unfortunately. No, she wasn't. But a lot of Kennedys were. (laughs) Kennedys. This is royalty. Yeah, America's royalty, save for Rose, who they took part of her brain out. Oh, uh, no. Yep. (laughs) And um, they're there. There's there's just a real, like, cross-section of, like, American just gods at this thing. There are. I mean, when you have a Clooney, you have a Kennedy... And you have, uh, I mean, not so much. A uh, and a Jenner, a, a, a Jenner, Jenner in utero. Yeah, it's insane. That's true. That's true. You do have uh, the finest people out there. <laughs> but I feel like I want to discuss now uh, the film itself, in and of itself. Gotham City. It's kind of like New York, and then it's a character in and of itself. It's very vibrant. It's very it has five pink. boroughs. It has five boroughs. What are the, I don't even want to elaborate a couple of fake cities for Gotham, but yes. Gotti's not in this movie, unfortunately. He'd be a villain. Uh, the Batman could not topple John Travolta. No, no, never. So this movie is a comic book come to life. So that's why I, I am. I was fond of it. Like I go by my gut impression when I first saw a movie. Not now. Not with the, you know, with hindsight and whatnot. When I first saw this movie, I thought, this is pretty cool. Like, this is dope. You know, it's horny. You know, I get that. You know, it's like 
I was maybe 11 or something or 10. I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of getting horny now. It's cool. Like, I get these, I get these subtexts. I get, you know, we saw Batman's butt in this movie, correct? Uh, we do see some I hope so. beautiful butts. We, we see a lot of uh, Riddler butt, too, for sure. We saw Riddler bulge. I don't want to elaborate so much in that, but he made, like, he, he, like, made, like, he was in his skin-tight outfit, and we see only in, in a few shots in the movie uh, some significant bulge, which, very impressive, Jim Carrey. Uh, we're fans now. You have our attention now. You, you've piqued our interest, Jim. Yeah, yeah. He, he's <laughs> no. the nakedest person in this movie, even though he wears a bodysuit the entire time. <laughs> he he invested we... the most in himself in this movie, I feel like. One thing we haven't talked about is Jim Carrey himself at the premiere. He, True. I mean, him and Lauren Holly came in there, you know, with two custom-tailored matching outfits, they, she's got a, a, a satin bright green scarf, and he's got a cummerbund to match. I mean, if that's not love, what is? More investment into the Riddler itself as he's wearing green, a big theme of the movie. So, like, he was invested from start to the finish of this film. So, like, bravo to Jim. Like, that's serious. Like, he, he's like, yeah. yeah. Is that method? Did he, like... Is that method acting? I don't know, but, like, he was committed nonetheless, and, like, I legitimately have a deep respect for him, regardless of how the movies come out or whatnot. Like, I I have a deep respect for Jim Carrey oh, as a talent. I think it kind of proves, though, that playing a villain in a Batman movie can, you know, go too far and, you know, get into your head. You know, Jack Nicholson famously warned Jim Carrey, you know, about this role. <laughs> He said, I warned you. <laughs> yeah. Playing the Riddler. Gee, noticeably absent, Jack Nicholson. That's true. Yeah, well, well, he did tell Josh Tommy Lee Jones. Whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he warned everybody. He even warned Mel yeah. Kilmer just for the hell of it. I gotta see I gotta see uh Nick Van Exel. The Lakers weren't good back then, people. Oh no, but they, they didn't have a shack, yeah. I gotta see Nick Van Exel and Anthony Peeler. Deep cut for NBA ball heads out and there. Nick Van Exel yeah. was so good, Jay Z shouts him out in a song. That's true, yeah. Handles like Van Exel. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jay Z ref. Alright, alright. We have friend friend of the podcast, Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. so. Jay Z, don't listen to what I said about your wife and gold member. Uh it was You've never was... said anything about her. Well, yeah, that's true. I have on that's that's true. It was on other accounts. Yeah. I love Beyonce and Gold Member. She, she was terrific. Jay. She made the film. I can never vouch. I can't condone <laughs> that buffoonery, Andrew. She did not make gold member, but I will. I will. I will hold back my anger towards how little she respected that role for later episodes. Uh, anyways, the film itself—it's a comic book come to life. Uh, you have these uh, people when Robin starts to take out the Batmobile on his own. You have these uh, these city thugs, these punks. Kind of uh, like a Dia de los Muertes kind of vibe they had, but with a lot of neon. It was a cool aesthetic, I have to say. You know, I really liked the general aesthetic of this movie. Uh, not so much slapstick necessarily, but it was it was in your face and it was it was over the top. And I, I honestly, the, you know, the the and son of it all, I appreciated it. I have to say. Yeah, it was you know of the era. It was like coming off of that like hackers you know, like kind of um, cyberpunk era too. So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of neon, a lot of satin, you know, like it definitely was was of the era. Yeah, yeah, that's how you could base it off. You can't like compare this to like 
Iron Man or some nonsense like that. I mean, first off, it's a lot smarter. It's way better, for sure. Yeah, that's Well, I heard it's the thinking man's Batman. Ooh, it's the thinking horny man's Batman. It's It's the man who likes to think before he nuts, Batman. It's it's interesting because if you watch it knowing – so I don't like – I don't know what the actual like movie history was, but they this was still in the same trilogy as the Tim Burton, or in the same series as the Tim Burton ones. Because they do mention the Penguin at some point, yeah, right? And, the um, reference. And then it's still the same, even though Batman changes again for Batman and Robin. But uh, the tone of Batman Forever is right in between the Tim Burton Batmans and then what uh, Joel Schumacher eventually went with in uh, Batman and Robin, which I also think was fantastic. So just uh, as a kind of, I guess, note in like the evolution of the Batman saga, it is it, it is an evolution notable. in the sense that like yeah. it's definitely the first bat, the first few Batmans with Tim Burton, like more gothic. This is still a little bit gothic, but like it's transitioning away to these more vibrant colors. These Saved by the Bell kind of like neons and pinks and whatnot. It, it's definitely a transition of, of sense, but I just love like so. You know what it doesn't do this movie uh, any favors is Mystery Men that came out a little bit afterwards. No, because they took the same aesthetic and they made it campy. So like they're basically making fun of Batman because you have like when Batman Forever you have uh, these goons in like scuba gear and whatnot like underwater fighting Robin when he like when the bat boat blows up or something like that. So like Mystery Men kind of embrace some of their campiness and like went all the way with it. So that's how I feel like that that's kind of doing a disservice to this movie, I feel like. But uh, what else? I mean, what else really well, took place in that movie? Well, one one thing I just want to share, one thing I want to talk about really quickly just on the topic of Joel Schumacher, in my like extensive research of this film, I came across this article about <laughs> Joel Schumacher where he talked about Batman and Robin, and I just want to read you the headline. and It says, Joel Schumacher apologizes for Batman and Robin. And then Whoa. it goes, oh. yep, yep. No need to and, apologize, my man. Apologize for what? Doing a great work of art? Yeah, making like one of my top three favorite movies of all time. <laughs> well, that's so rude. I know. And he's quoted saying, I want to apologize to every fan that was disappointed because I think I owe them that. A lot of it was my choice. No one is responsible for my mistakes but me. You could literally plug this into any Me Too case right now. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and is it this the Louis C.K. apology you're reading I, or Joel I, Schumacher for Batman Forever? Interchangeable. Doesn't matter. <laughs> wow. I'm taken yeah, aback by this. I'm... He got he got he got ripped pretty hard, especially because of Clooney's nipples. Oh, that's right. Ooh. There were nipples on uh, on the uh, costumes, and Jesus I thought that was Christ. a good choice because the fact of the matter is, men have nipples too, and I'm sick of all of this media, you know, like glamorizing the female nipple. It's you know, everywhere you go, you see, you know, free the nipple, blah blah blah. But uh, men, you know, no one ever wants to see our nipples, and it's a tragedy. Yeah, right. And Joel Schumacher, you know, he brought the male nipple to the American consciousness, and of course, it wasn't well regarded at the time. But you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like a lot of like, you know, Susan B. Anthony wasn't well regarded at the time, and you know, I mean, people didn't think women should vote, and the male nipple is uh, 1995. Yeah, you know, like Joel Schumacher. There's no need for a mea culpa. Let the free the nipple, Batman. <laughs> Free the nipple in Batman. On, on Batman. That's a, if 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 one of our listeners doesn't make that a meme, I quit. 
<laughs> Free the nipple. <laughs> Boom. Already have, Alfred. Um, I want to give you guys one more line from the interview. Please. You can Google it. CNN ran it. We'll share the link with the listeners. Uh, he Schumacher's also quoted as saying, I was scum. It was like I had murdered a baby. Oh, my okay. God. Back I want guilted he felt into I feeling this way. I want to give this man a hug right now. I feel he, sad for him. He was guilted because, again, fanboys and toxic culture. Yeah. That's a nicer way to put it. Yes, nerds. That's the realistic way. He felt guilted and ha- having apologized for a great work of art. Come on, Joel. I mean, did uh, Michelangelo apologize for being one of the greatest of all the Ninja Turtles? It's ridiculous. It's... <laughs> no, Michelangelo did not apologize for being no, a great Ninja Turtle. Because he was a party dude, okay? So, Joel Schumacher, right. you can be a party dude, too, if you find you it can... in your heart. Joel, you don't have anything to apologize to us for, because I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I enjoyed the shit out of Batman and Robin, and I would have enjoyed the shit out of anything that spawned from this genre of Batman with this aesthetic. Uh, the other people, I can't vouch necessarily for them, but, you know, you know, God bless them. They're trying their hardest. The, I'm not going to shame them. This was the no. first fun superhero movie. And now everybody's, you know, they're all about, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man or whatever because they're the fun superhero movies. But Joel Schumacher was the first guy to say, like, hey, they're comic books. They're a children's medium made for children and not just any children, but, like, particularly weird children. Thus, this movie will be for the weird children. And I say, on behalf of all the weird children, thank you, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, thank you, Joel Schumacher. Because you know what, you're right. Now now that I see the the, the grief he's got, you know, the pacing, I have some issues with. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. And I enjoyed it as a kid who, again, this movie was for... So, tip of the hat, Joel Schumacher. You don't have to apologize to me. If anything, I should be thanking you for the wonderful job you did with this movie. So, before we close it off, I want to I want to scale the amount of hoopla that went into this movie from a scale of 1 to 10. Um, This is Batman Forever. This is a cultural event. Stars from all over came to this. There was a McDonald's meal. There's, like I said, an MTV music video, you know, Seal. And not that it was TRL necessarily. But if TRL did exist, Carson Daly would get bombarded with nothing but requests for this. It's my power, my pleasure, my pain. Baby. Did you know it's the Riddler comes out? With Nigma Vision <laughs> and, and nipples, <laughs> and Batman has a tremendous bulge. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, I wanted to come up with a, a meter of sorts, uh, one to ten. How much hoopla, uh, Andrew? Did you think went into this movie? Oh, so what would you rate the overall hoopla effect of this? Is this I a mean, one to ten? So I honestly can't think of many movies with a bigger cultural impact than Batman Forever had. It's an easy ten. It had McDonald's tie-ins with like incredible burgers. The soundtrack was unbelievable. We didn't get into talking about all of the performances as much as we should have, but I thought. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones obviously knew he was going to be playing against a guy who was a real rubber-faced buffoon, and Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> wasn't 
in turn a rubber-faced buffoon in a way you've never seen him before, which makes it probably one of his greatest performances. And I'm a huge Tommy Lee Jones head. I'm a one, you know, I'm the Jones head convention uh, organizer. <laughs> so all in all, I mean, it's just great. It, uh, everything about it's perfect. It's a ten out of ten. I I'm I kind of hate that this was the first one because we're not gonna go up from here. I We're not going to go up from this. I agree. I, I want to say it's a 10 out of 10 because, again, like you said, when you have McDonald's fast food, MTV, merchandising, cool toys, you know, people don't, like, just, you know, you shouldn't discredit a movie on how many cool toys it has. If anything, that, that adds to the film. Yeah. So it had a lot of dope stuff, you know. Uh, you know, it also had um, Chris O'Donnell doing kung fu laundry, like doing his laundry in a cool way, making sure it dried. I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff behind this movie. The do red you think, carpet Do you affair? think Val Kilmer was like, laundry, yeah. Like, hey, no, no, make it sexy, Chris. Make it sexy. Yeah. Do a good job with it. I'll be watching from behind uh, Joel over there. Uh, but no, yeah, maybe he, he did endorse the sexiness of it all. But, yeah, I, I appreciate the hoopla that, that went behind this movie that Steven Seagal and many others felt they had to go to this premiere. So you have top-notch celebrities – a burger that cannot be matched this very day. A superhero bun? You got to be kidding me. Uh, I, you know, we're not going to give a lot of tens. So I hate that th- this is the first one because this is a ten. Others will not get tens. We might not have another ten till I don't know the Phantom Menace maybe, and that will be it. So there's not a lot of tens in the hoopla meter. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea of how this works. So in terms of hoopla, we're at maximum hoopla. The hoopla was amazing. M, do you have any hoopla meter uh, a ranking of your own? Do you not feel it's a 10 or do you feel it's a little less perhaps? Who knows? I'm coming at this from a style expert's perspective. Okay. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to give this a nine and a half. <sighs> okay. Okay. You're I'm going just... from this from a style perspective though. Not a... I mean, it's still I'm hoopla. Kind of... There's not a lot of big, bold fashion moves in this uh, red well, carpet. Well, you know what, guys? There was belt buckles, boots, gloves. Um, Stephen Baldwin dressed as the human embodiment of an Ophir shirt. <laughs> Masks, uh, custom apparel. I mean, I think it was all really good. I think the part that's a detractor for me is Nick, my friend and friend of the podcast, Kidman, as Dr. Chase <laughs> Meridian, coming to the premiere looking visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, this was a a, a film where Batman was, was getting a little more pop and letting loose, and Kim just didn't do that at the premiere. But she was horny in the movie, but yes. I'm sorry, if I said only... Kim, I met Nick, my yeah, friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. and friend yeah, yeah, yeah. of the podcast. It was hard for her because she is a naturally, you know, horny woman, as she performed True. in the film so well. And she's surrounded by so many hunks, you know, from the likes of Steven Seagal to, you know, Matt Lauer. And, um... <laughs> And, and yet she stuck with this little uh, cult member peewee uh, husband of hers. No! She is with the premiere, uh, well, not so much of a premiere hunk, but she's still with a hunk, you know. I'm not going to get into the discrimination of men over 5'7", perhaps the most underrepresented. No, that's not true. But uh, anyways, so we had so, the hoopla meter between 10 and 9.5, which is still very high, I feel like. I mean, guys, I, when we start talking about Big Mama's house, which for me is like the true a true ten, uh-huh. you know oh, wow. that that's where I'm that that's where I'm kicking things up. So, you know, listeners, go go over to Night Opening, look at Big Mama's house. 
then think about my rating and let's talk. People, go ahead, do what she said. Follow me on night openings if you're not doing it already. I thought I was registering opening night on Twitter. I'm not. Just a fun fact. I thought I was registering open. Like, let me see if opening night is taken. And Twitter didn't say anything. And then Twitter just gave me this handle. You know, I'm shocked Twitter just didn't give me a handle with a bunch of numbers, thankfully. So I'll embrace night opening. It's a fine handle. Twitter gave it to me. I did not choose it. I thought opening night like a buffoon was not taken. But you can follow me on night opening. You can follow whoever else owns the other account. But, yeah, I think, overall, Batman Forever is an experience we'll remember forever. It's an experience that's very all-encompassing, and more movies in 2019 can learn from embracing this kind of slapstick, over-the-top action. Any final thoughts before we close out? Um, I guess I'll just finish off by saying you can follow me at opening night. And, um, <laughs> uh, please go see, um, how dare you please make sure that you see uh, Batman forever and then Batman and Robin and then never see any other movie with Batman in it. Period. Sound advice. Em, any final thoughts for our audiences? Audience? Um, I actually just want to give a shout out to our, our sponsor and friend of the podcast, H and R block. I, I may have done my taxes there recently. I may have not, hence why I'm I'm obscuring my name. But I'll say that I made some really great friends there on the video chat feature. So check them out, guys. The tax season's coming up. Make some friends. Win-win. Win-win. Yeah, the video chat functions. You're talking to an actual human being. You get your taxes done by pros. Maybe give you a little bit of skin in the game, a little bit of action, a little money you can invest in later in a new app called Robinhood. Now, Robinhood is all about stocks. You ever seen Wall Street Money Never Sleeps with Shia LaBeouf and uh, Michael Douglas? He's not passed away. He's still with us right now, at least as this podcast airs. Robinhood is about investing in stocks. Get some skin in the game. You know, it's, it, it's stocks dumbed down for the pea brain, you know. You know, there's a lot of eggheads in Wall Street, and and Robinhood teaches us normies how to get in the game. So make a little money with Robinhood. Download the app today. Uh, one final shout out because that's definitely signed, sealed, and delivered. And who better to deliver than our friends at Stamps.com? You'll get a free scale uh, when you use the code Val Kilmer. That's right, Val. Just a uh... You are our promo code. You are a shining beacon of light. Any final thoughts, Andrew? Oh, um, I guess I'd just like to say, uh, why not try out Alpha Brain? Alpha Brain, it's a, a little pill that Joe Rogan makes for you out of some mushrooms and twigs that he finds, and it's <laughs> real good for your brain. Just go to alphabrain.com slash Val Kilmer. Yeah, use the promo code Val Kilmer. You'll get super smart. Just like Edward Enigma in Batman Forever. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Movie Premieres Unlimited. We stay true to our name. We will have unlimited episodes, unlimited premieres, and we'll be here for you.